Hey, this is Karen, Coach's Corner Chats, and joining me is Ben Federici. Ben, where are you at, and what are you up to? Uh, Transylvania University in Lexington, Kentucky. Uh, just, I suppose we're winding down a little bit here for the Christmas break. Uh, spend some time in the office today and excited to get going again next semester. And how long have you been at Transy? Uh, it's two years pretty much to the day here. Uh, got hired in December of 21, and now we're in December 23. When you look back on those first two years, what were some of the things that you were hoping to put into place, and have you been successful in doing those? I, I think, you know, culture was a big piece of it when I got in. You know, um, I think we've been pretty successful at that. You know, we've established non-negotiables. I think uh, – We've got some some guys that I think will be joining our leadership council here, um, upperclassmen, returning players that I think truly embody what we're trying to build. And the fact that they were voted onto that council by their teammates tells me we're headed the right direction. Uh, I think anybody that's a part of the program or has been around it would tell you that this season wasn't necessarily what we wanted from a, a results perspective. But I think inside the program, the guys in the locker room every day, you can you can feel that momentum moving in the right direction for sure. Is this your first experience as being a head coach? Yeah, it is. Uh, I was over at uh, Marietta College in Southeast Ohio as an assistant for about six years prior to this, uh, working with Joe Bergen there and owe, owe a lot to him for sure. Uh, but this is the first foray into to being the, the, the big cheese, as some people would call it. So, As you look forward, you just talked about kind of winding things down. What does a coach, like specifically for you, what are you looking for as you head into the spring to kind of keep building on what you've been doing the first two years? Yeah, it's it's just making progress in every direction, I think. You know, we've we've announced we're going to host like a 3v3 futsal tournament here in January at the, at the university, try and get a bunch of local high school kids to come in and just uh, enjoy competing for a day. Uh, we'll get our guys to work it, so that's something that'll be – uh, fun for them to get connection with. Uh, the new D3, D3 rules allow us to get some more contact on the ball throughout the, the spring semester. So we'll take advantage of those. And then, uh, you know, there's a, there's a saying I've got with a couple of my coaching buddies that recruiting never stops. So uh, that, that's always part of the part of the plan as you look forward. So it's just progress in every direction. When we look at Ben's journey soccer-wise, when did this whole love of the game start? Were you playing as a youth? Like, what? where did Ben start messing with the ball? You know, I actually started, I want to say I was maybe six years old in a, in a church team. Um, I was one of those kids that, that played absolutely everything. Uh, football for a little bit in middle school, baseball a whole bunch, basketball, um, it, it was pretty much anything I could get my hands on. And uh, I'm not going to lie to you. We had a pretty awful year, my first year ever playing soccer from a wins and losses perspective. But uh, I, I don't know. I just loved it. I, I got to go out there and uh, I tell some of the kids I recruit now, nowadays that, you know, I, I thought it was the best sport because nobody could call timeout and tell me what to do or, or make me do something else. I got to be out there for, you know, however long that the half of the game was and making decisions on my own. As you were coming up and playing, did that lead to like club and then into high school? And then did it lead to maybe the level of college? Yeah. So uh, 
obviously going through, you know, I think everybody's played for, for a club in their middle school time frame. And once you get into high school, you kind of have some decisions to make. Um, I was a little bit different. You know, I was a guy that didn't play for a top level club. There was uh, just a local community, uh, Northwest Ohio Finley Soccer Club. Uh, was fortunate enough to have a couple years um, around my team that, you know, the, the guys were all really bought into what we're doing. Had a, a parent coach that, you know, took a lot of time out of, out of his schedule and out of his life to, to make things happen for us. Um, still doing the state cup and that sort of stuff, but um, ended up going and, and playing at Marietta college where I went back to work there for about six years. So D three uh, in the OAC and um, was fortunate enough to, to have some, some success as a player um, team wasn't great around me, but you know, a lot of those guys are, are still some of my best friends to this day. Uh, I don't see him nearly as much as I used to, but, uh, you know, I think everybody's got their own journey and mine by no means is a, uh, what I want to say, you're a linear one constantly going up and making progress. I think I've just been all over the map in terms of actually getting to the, to the coaching profession. What was it that drew you to Marietta college at that time? I mean, I was an 18 year old kid and there was somebody saying, Hey, I think you can come in and compete for time right away. So, uh, that's always a good thing to hear, but, uh, you know, I grew up in Northwest Ohio. My mom was from Cincinnati. So I grew up going in and you know, being around the Ohio river quite a bit. Um, and Marietta's right on the Ohio river. It's a gorgeous campus. Um, you know, it's, it's great facilities for, for a D three for sure. Uh, they've been significantly upgraded since I was there, but, uh, something just felt, felt right about going down there for the first time. And uh, fortunate enough, I spent, you know, I guess better part of 10 years there. What about Marietta College in terms of at that time as a player? What was the draw to go there? Mm -hmm. So for me, you know, I graduated high school in 2009. So the, the season before I would have joined Marietta was 2008. Um, and they had gone to the, the OAC championship game. Um, so I was a group. I was recruited by a guy. Um, the head coach at the time was Pat Holguin, uh, who went on to have some success at the Division II level. Um, and it was just kind of one of the thoughts was come in and build on the success that had been there and, and hopefully bring in a, a young group of guys that can replace a lot of those returning players once they did graduate the following year. What was it at, at that point? Was there a time then that you were thinking about coaching? Was that something in high school that you were going through? When did kind of maybe the coaching bug ever even pop up in Ben's head? You know, I think that I was really, really blessed and really fortunate to have a lot of really good coaches around me and in my life. Uh, my dad coached Legion baseball for forever. Uh, my mom was a middle school teacher, which teacher coach pretty much the same thing in my mind, but um, it never really entered my brain until, you know, I, I was finishing up my time at Marietta and got the opportunity to go back to the university of Finley as a graduate assistant, join the coaching staff there with, with Andy Smith, who's still the head coach today. Um, I think if you would have asked me at that time, I would have told you that, you know, I'm going to go get my master's in business and, and try and go make a bunch of money and do something like that. And I think once I just got my hands in, into that environment where I could go into an office and it's like, man, it's, it's our job to, to work with guys and help them get through college and, you know, get them better on the soccer field with whatever they need help with. Um, I don't know that there was a singular moment that changed it all for me, but I know that towards the end of my time there, I ended up taking a job in, in admissions at the university, trying to to stick around and help out. And I realized very quickly, like, man, this is this office job is not for me. 
Um, and so the opportunity came up to, to become a full-time coach at Marietta and, and I jumped at it. Uh, but yeah, it, it's hard to pinpoint other than, than really somewhere um, at Finley as a, as a grad student where it really hit me. But even my senior year at Marietta, I had, you know, finished my season early due to a torn ACL and was on the sidelines, was at practices. Um, but I'd be lying if I told you that even in those moments, I was, it was, it was a cognizant thought in my head that like, oh yeah, I'm going to be a coach. It was just, I didn't know what else to do and kept following that passion, I guess. How does one become a GA? Like, how do you, how do you end up at Finley? Do you just start sending stuff out? Does people just reach out to you? I mean, how does that even come about? Especially for someone who's kind of like, I don't know if this is the way I want to go. Yeah, it was it was a little bizarre actually. I was uh, back in Finley. I think I was actually back for a doctor's appointment or or something like that, a follow up from the surgery I had had. And you know, Coach Smith was had coached me a lot growing up. Um, he was one of the guys that he, he would come in and kind of guest coach our club. But, you know, throughout winters, give you foot skills clinics and things like that. So I had a previous relationship with him and I guess I just stumbled into his office at the university and uh, his previous graduate assistant was a guy by the name of Greg Acuna, who I played high school with and competed with in college. And they both were kind of just asking, well, what are your plans after graduation? What's, what's it looking like? And didn't really have too much, you know, to go on. And they said, well, are you interested in coming to be a GA here? I said, yeah, sure. What does that entail? Um, and sure enough, you know, a few months later, I was running camps for Coach Smith's on the ball soccer camp over the summer and uh, never really looked back. When you look back at that experience as a GA, what does that experience like? What are roles and responsibilities? A little bit of everything. Um, what what was your big takeaway from that experience? You know, I, I was, again, really fortunate that at Finley, there was no full time assistant at the time. So I was even though I was a GA, I was the main assistant for Coach Smith. Um and I'm sure everybody that's come up in coaching has some memories or nightmares, depending on how you want to look at them, of stuffing envelopes and making phone calls and and, and doing some of those more menial tasks. But uh, again, Coach Smith was uh, he, he was a tough nut for me to crack at first. Um, but I think once once I kind of proved myself that you know I'm going to shoot show up every day and and put in the work and, and genuinely have a desire to make guys better, um, started giving me more and more responsibility and. Uh, you know, you start with inevitably, you know, the, the pre-practice warm up and dynamics and OK, now you're killing that. OK, now run this little bit of the session and uh, all those sorts of things. So I think it's a pretty natural growth for anybody that's been through that process. But uh, it's definitely not easy to go in. And, you know, I was a, a two year captain at Marietta that I had a pretty what I felt like was a pretty important voice in the locker room. And now you're a, a GA working for an English guy that's been doing it for 20 plus years and um I learned very quickly that any thought that I may have had to make our program better or, or coach a kid or switch to tactic, you know, Coach Smith had probably thought about it 10 times over before it even entered my mind once. So um, it was great to, to be in an office where I wasn't punished for asking questions, where I could go in and have conversations on a day to day basis. And um, I think there were a couple of coaches in in the little, you know, hallway with us that would tell you we were probably uh shouting at each other occasionally and, and and because we we cared that much about what we were doing that um frequently people would come in and kind of go guys like what the heck's going on in here um but yeah I, again I, I owe a lot to coach smith for for giving me my start and then uh just being patient with me and working with me through through a lot of that stuff 
So as you finish up there with Coach Smith and Finley, does that the next step ends up going back to Marietta? Yeah. Um, so while I was at Finley, I think there was a uh, the, the assistant job had opened at Marietta and, and Joe Bergen, who's still the coach there now, had had offered it to me. Um, at the time, it wasn't a full time position. So I sort of I decided that I would stay and finish my graduate work. Um, and then once I finished that, it just opened up randomly. And the guy who had it previously, um, a guy by the name of Ryan Osborne, who's now an assistant at Wisconsin, um, called me and he said, hey, it's going to open up like it, it's a full time spot now. And uh, originally, when I went back down, I was coaching the men's and the women's program, um, which was an adventure in and of itself. Uh, but yeah, it just it was one of those things that sometimes life just works out in your favor. Um, I don't think Marietta expected a job open. Um, I didn't expect it to open up. And when it did, I just was fortunate enough to be able to, to take advantage of it. What's the experience like to go from player to coach at the same school? What was that like? You know, I'd spent three seasons at Finley. So by the time I got back, there weren't too many people that were the same on the team. Um, there was a guy that was a fifth year when I was, a, uh, excuse me, he was a freshman when I was a senior. So he ended up being a fifth year senior uh, when I got back to Marietta. And it was it was cool to kind of uh, reintegrate with him. And the, the campus as a whole, as most Division threes are, was small and tight knit. Uh, so it was it was definitely strange at first to go back and be like, all right, I, I have to be the adult now. Uh, you know, one of the big things at, at Marietta's men's basketball games and uh, anybody that, that knew me in college knows that I was always a, uh, a vocal fan at those games with some of my buddies. And now I'm, I'm working those basketball games as an employee of the, of the college and having to keep order of those unruly college kids. So, um, again, I, I just can't tell you how, how fortunate I was to, to be put into environments where where people help me grow through those scenarios. Um, I'm sure I made plenty of mistakes in that process, as we all do. But it was it, it was really fun to go back and and help Joe build something that, uh, you know, I think sometimes when you go through as a player, you look at the potential of of the institution around you or the program you're part of. And for me, that potential wasn't realized when I was still wearing the uniform. Uh, but I felt really, really good. And it was really rewarding to go back as a coach and help you know, the next generation of guys going through the, the college really kind of realize a lot of that potential. You talked about the dynamic with Coach Smith and just kind of like working through things, sometimes almost too stubborn coaches. But what was the experience with Joe and at Marietta and how was that maybe a little bit different or maybe it was a little bit of the same? Uh there are a lot of stories I could share about both of those guys um, and us hooting and hollering at each other about various things. And uh, I, I think that what I learned the most through both of them is that you, you can't really make forward progress if you're not really hashing out the details of something that's going on. Um, and, you know, there were times where I would be low or, or the head coach I was working for would be low. And the other person has to has to play a balance in that, um, you know, it's something that, again, it's, it's hard to put into words exactly what those relationships are like. They're two Coach Smith and, and, and Joe are two very different people in different styles. Uh, Coach Smith is, is one of the smartest tactical and technical coaches I've been around. You meet the A license, all that sort of stuff. Um, and I don't feel bad making fun of him saying that he, he doesn't use technology super well with social media and took him a long time to get a cell phone. 
Um, whereas Joe comes from a corporate background. Uh, he worked at 3M as a sales guy. So the, the management, the, the professionalism of, of the way you kind of run a company almost kind of seeped into our, our program at the time. And so I got to learn a lot from both of them. But again, um, there were plenty of days where we'd be sitting in an office hashing it out or licking our wounds or, you know, celebrating the big victories that we had. So uh, very similar end results being in an office and, and having the freedom to go back and forth with one another, uh, but the different philosophies and different skill sets for both of them, for sure. You mentioned the balancing act of coaching the men's and women's program. What yeah. was that like in terms of, I hear it a lot from coaches that how you deal with the male side is a lot different than the females. What were some of the, maybe not pros and cons, but what were some of the differences and similarities that you ran into? It's a good question. You know, I think that at times I felt like it was a lot more just fun at a women's training session. Uh, there are a lot of those girls that, you know, you just never know what they're going to say to you sometimes. And, and they're great listeners and, and they're great at doing what you ask them to do. Whereas I think guys, you have to convince them a little bit more of what they're supposed to do. Um, but it was it was a great exercise and just getting reps and coaching for me. Uh, you know, I mean, two sessions every day It was four sessions during the during a preseason environment. Um, and at that time, it was it was two programs that were in different spots. Um, but I think that, you know, the main differences is just it's, it's no different than the different individuals on a team. Right. I mean, there there's certain individuals on my team here at Transy right now that I deal with differently than than other individuals on the team. And I think that's just to, to lump all of the women on the on the team at Marietta and all of the men on the team at Marietta into two different categories is is impossible. Um, it, it really is just it, it helped me learn that you had to deal with each player as their own entity. Um, you know, you can you can hold people to the same standards. You can hold people. Um, you should hold them to the same standards, but to, to communicate with each person the exact same way, um, that's a tough thing to do. And I think it, it cheapens the relationship at times. So uh, definitely made some some mistakes in that early on, I think, but uh, grew from it and, and, and like to think that I've, I've improved on that today. At what point at Marietta does Ben start thinking, I think I'd like to try this head coaching kind of gig? So I spent two years working with with both men's and the women's program. Um, and then I think it was going into the third or fourth year there. Uh, I was able to, to apply and, and get an offer to be a head coach somewhere else and um, didn't take it at the time. Uh, felt like I had some unfinished business with Joe and uh, just the timing of it wasn't quite right. Um, but I think going through that process really helped me understand like, hey, like I, this is something that should be on my radar. Um, and then those last couple years as you had to fight through COVID and do some things uh, that way, uh, the Transylvania job came up. Um, and I remember this vividly. It was um, actually sent to Joe by our athletic director at Marietta because it hadn't been posted anywhere. And we were getting on the bus to go to a, a tournament game. And Joe kind of pulls me aside and says, hey, you really should consider you know, applying for this. It'd be a great job for you to get. Uh, we ended up losing that tournament game. And uh, I guess it was probably two, three weeks later, all of a sudden end of the semester that I'd interviewed and I'd accepted. And it was, I think, exam week. And we had called the guys or sent a text out at 3.30, 4 o'clock in the afternoon. Said, hey, guys, if you can get here for a 4.30 meeting, let's do it. 
and they all got there and had to deliver the news that I was taking off. But I guess it's, it's one thing to, to think that you're ready for a spot, but for how quickly it all happened there in that last couple of weeks of, of my time in Marietta was, was wild to me for sure. I was just going to say, how cool is it that one, the athletic director clearly is thinking about you and then for your head coach to be as open to say, look, you're ready to spread your wings and go after this. How awesome was that to like have that kind of support? So you kind of knew like maybe this is the right decision to do. Yeah, it's massive. I mean, it's, it's absolutely massive. I think when you spend so much time with somebody, especially in that that professional but but personal setting um, of being a head coach and assistant coach, uh, the last thing you want to do is is disappoint somebody or or feel like you're you're leaving them in a lurch or something like that. Um, so for Joe to give me the hey, this is the, the seal of approval, so to speak. Um, it, it was huge. It, it helps give you that extra confidence boost to go, okay. I mean, it's, it's a scary thing. It's super exciting, uh, but to go and, and, and take a new program that you've never seen before and, and think, okay, yeah, I'm going to go, uh, get this thing, you know, turned around and back to where it should be, uh, having a, a, a vote of confidence, not just, you know, your parents, your family, they're always going to say, yeah, you got this, you can do this, but somebody that's been in the trenches to, to give you the keys to just say, Hey, you, you can go do this. And, and it's time to move on is I, I, something I'm always going to be thankful for, for sure. You mentioned earlier, your dad coaching Legion baseball and those experiences. When you look back, what was it like having dad as coach? And then like those experiences to get in the car afterward, like what was it like to kind of have that as maybe your first experience with a coach? <sighs> Man. I mean, I, I think my first experiences with my dad as a coach were not him coaching me. Um, my first experiences with my dad as a coach, because I was, you know, knee high running around a baseball dugout full of high school and college guys, which was its own education of it in and of itself. Uh, but it was being able to sit there and, and watch the way the guys respected him. Um, he was paired with a guy who I love to this day, but is a, is a very vocal individual, very fiery old school coach. Um, and, and seeing my dad kind of having maneuver those types of situations. Um, and the, the, the heartfelt thanks that he would get from a, from an individual or from their parents, uh, the bonds that they would create. I mean, we used to have the, the year end parties out at my parents' house for, for the teams that I was a part of, as well as, um, the teams that he was a part of, uh, carried on to my siblings as well. So, um, yeah, it was, a lot of it was indirect. And I think, you know, it, when you get to a certain stage in life, you always look back at, at what you're like, damn, mom, my, my parents did tell me that they were right. Um, a lot of the the parenting that I got was just, was just coaching from my parents. Um, yeah, you have to know when to drop the hammer and when to, when to be a little bit more rub, robust on something. But um, a lot of it was just asking questions and was that the right thing to do? And why do you think this? And and, and I think that's influenced who I am as a coach just as much, if not more so than, than anything else that I've experienced is just having, and to be fair, <laughs> there were a lot of days where my dad was gone with that Legion baseball team. And my mom was the, it, don't get it, don't get it twisted. My mom's the most competitive person in our family. Uh, so uh, whatever it is that we're doing, her, her ability to, to cheer on a sports team, uh, she's a big Cincinnati girl, you know, Reds and Bengals, it, it we're watching a sports game in our house. She's the one yelling at the TV the most. So, uh, and she's super knowledgeable. I think that that was the, the other things, both, both parents 
my grandparent, my grandpa, um, they were all super, super knowledgeable in sports. And so being able to come up in an environment where everything was explained, well, here's why that happened or here's why they did that uh, just kind of gets the wheels turning at, at a young age for me. At this point now as a coach, does how does that dynamic change for you in terms of the conversation that you have with mom and dad, like all the impact they've had on you? What's it like now as they're on the sidelines kind of maybe giving their two cents after games? Um, and, and how do you deal with all of that? Uh, um, <laughs> I think the, the most frequent occurrence of, of, you know, talking about my parents is, actually taking a kid around on a recruit visit um, where I can say, Hey, I know your parents are telling you this right now. And they're right. You need to listen to your mom and dad. I didn't when I was 18 or 17, but you need to do that. And, and kind of having those moments where I, I can hear my mom or I can hear my dad saying this to me, you know, at this point, 15 years ago or whatever it is. Um, but after games, <laughs> I don't, I don't think much has changed uh, since my playing days. My mom's always going to be there, you know, defending me with whatever she's got. She takes photos. She feeds the team sometimes. And, and my dad's always going to have his opinions. And uh, it, it, there are days where you want nothing to do with those opinions. There are days where it's like, yeah, you're right. Like you're spot on. And, and he'll be the first to tell you he doesn't know anything about kicking a soccer ball. But um, I think that, that if there's anything my parents know, it's, it's how to support people and how to, how to compete in a, in a high level environment. So um those little nuggets definitely keep me sane um, as much as anything else going throughout the season. The one thing that I've loved about this is you talked about in your words, kind of like a fiery back and forth with the coaches that you've worked with in mm -hmm. a positive way. Yeah. Where does, where does that come from? Like not everyone's really good with confrontation and it sounds like you're and there's when it's growth mindset and all those kind of things, it's really, really good. Have you always been one of those? It's been like you talk about mom being super competitive. You always had that drive to like, look, let's work through this. I'm in it. Um, you talk about being a two year uh, captain at Marietta, like the voice of the, the locker room and such. Is that something you've always kind of just kind of worn as a badge of honor? I think it's something I grew into in, in the collegiate environment. Um you know, I remember being in high school and club and whether it was baseball, soccer, whatever it was. Um, I don't think I opened my mouth as much as as much as I did in the college environment. And it was something that when I got there and I kind of realized that you don't have to wait for coaches to tell you something. You don't have to, uh, you know, some of the most influential people in my college career were just the players around me. Um, you know, and that's not to say anything negative to the coaching staffs that I had, but, uh, you, you can make a huge difference with those people around you. If you're just willing to talk to them and help them out. Um, I, I guess I've always been opinionated on things, uh, which is, is just the, I think the mark of any coach, you're going to have your, your thoughts and opinions, but, um, you know, it's, I think if you care enough about something and if you care enough about someone, uh, you're going to do everything you can to, to help them become better. And, and that's what we talk about in our program today. One of our, our non-negotiables is love. And, and a segment of that is tough love that, you know, if, if you're going to, to care about something, you gotta be, you gotta love it. You gotta love the work that goes into it, but you gotta have the tough love that says, man, you're not cutting it. And, and there were plenty of moments growing up where 
I'd get that comment from, from mom or dad, like, Hey, we love you to death, but you're not doing this enough, whether it's cleaning up your room or, or whatever it might be. Um, you, you can't just push things under the, underneath the rug and, and hope that they're going to get better. You got to go in and, and, you know, get your hands dirty and, and do it yourself. You mentioned all those times as a GA or an assistant, how important was it when you got to Transylvania to get a staff where you could have those similar types of conversations? You know, it's, it's, vital. Uh, I was, again, just lucky all over the place, walked into it with a, with a guy who, uh, Matt Melzer, who had been there for three years already and was able to spend a, a year with me. Um, he's now over at Evansville as a, as a division one assistant, but, um, it took us a little bit to, to get to that point. Um, I think that's just a trust that has to develop between, uh, you know, a coaching staff, but there, we would sit in that office for, 10 hours a day and just, just hash things out. And, and it's not always a, a big vocal thing. Um, sometimes it's just a matter of like, no, when we say, you know, the, the language we use or, or this training exercise we're utilizing, like get nitty gritty on the actual specifics of everything. Um, that was massive. I, th I think you need those people to challenge you. Um, the last thing we want is a, is a coach, at least for me is somebody who's just a yes man. Um, one of my one of my captains right now is going to be returning as a senior for us. I I tell people all the time he's my biggest critic. Um, he's a kid that knows the game and and works hard. Um, but if if there's something wrong and there there's a there's a little gray area in that rule for our training exercise, Henry's going to find it. Uh, and so I I think you need those things to to keep you sharp. The one thing I love about you talked about earlier about dealing with different players and such. How has the dynamic of going from an assistant, like how are those relationship of players different as a head coach? Short answer is yes. I think you have to be, you have to allow the assistant coach to be the, the, the more connected of the two individuals there for us on staff. Um, but overall, I, I would say no. I was, I was again, fortunate at, with my time at Finley and Marietta. Um, I was given a lot of freedom to do different things. And uh, I, I firmly believe that if you're going to hold somebody to a high standard on something, then your relationship has to, has to meet that same standard. You know, I think it's you, we're in this age where you can get on your phone and tweet at people and do this and that. And, and frequently the people that are attacking other people and where emotions get high is when you have no connection to that other person who's trying to tell you what to do. So I think it's still a, a big piece of my coaching is making sure that those relationships, if we want standards to be here, our relationship and, and, and how we are, you know, as a team, as a group of guys is, is gotta be right up there next to it. Um, so yes, the, some of the, the joking around in training and uh, the, the, uh, those gray area stories from the weekend prior, you, you don't want those at all as a head coach. You don't want them as an assistant, but you just tend to get a few more of those, those bits and pieces. Um, but no, it's, it's important piece to, to still be yourself. I think that's the, that's the one thing that, that I've tried to carry with me is that I am who I am. And if you, if you like me and get along with me, great. If you don't, then I, I, I don't dislike you, but I just think that it's probably not going to work out and, and you should look at a different school. One of the things you mentioned about beginning at Transylvania was just kind of changing the culture and what have you. And we hear that buzzword all the time. How does one go about to actually putting the talk and start walking the walk? How do you put that into, you know, get the wheels rolling in a way? 
time, uh, time and, and doing what you say you're going to do. I think it's that simple. There, there's not a magic sauce to it. You know, we spent probably my first eight or nine weeks on campus, just having weekly meetings as a team, trying to go through and sort out what do we want this program to be all about? Um, and the big thing we talked about there is vulnerability. You, you know, when you get up in front of a group of guys as, a, as another college guy and you say, hey, man, like I really look up to this person on the team for this reason. And I think that person is a great example of what this team should look like. It's kind of scary to do that. You know, guys are never super touchy feely about things. And um, but again, it's, it's just giving people the time and the space to, to do that and, and come around at their own at their own speed. I don't think you can force a culture to come in. Uh, the only thing that I can do as a coach is once once we've established what those standards are and, and however we want, to, we want to define them, right, um, then I have to continue to make decisions on a day-to-day -day basis based around that code of conduct, if you will. Uh, I can't be looking to make an excuse if it's a really good player or if it's somebody that maybe I put a lot of time and energy into. If they break a rule, or they, or there, there's got to be the same kind of standard for it. Um, again, you can communicate that in certain ways and, and, you know, you don't have to yell and scream all the time to make your point. But I think that, that the number one thing with culture is that it just takes time and it takes a, a condition of, of habitual decisions to be made by that coaching staff to really prove over that time that this is what we care about. Uh, this is what is important to us. And I'm two years in and I think that We've made great strides, but we're still not going to be a complete product yet. Um, I don't know that you ever are with your culture. There's always got to be something that, that you're working on. What has your experience been at Transylvania in terms of the athletic program as a whole? What's it been like to kind of be able to rub elbows with a girls soccer coach or with yeah. you know, girls softball or, or football or whatever? Like, What's it been like to have other coaches that are dealing with college athletes it's awesome. It really is. I, I never, I don't know why I'm always surprised, but every time I go have a conversation with somebody really in depth and you sit down with them, it's like, man, co good coaches really know what the heck they're talking about. And they've got some really creative solutions. Um, it, it took some time, obviously, you know, I think my first six months to a year, you're just narrowly focused on, on what, what you've got to do as an individual program. Um, we, we just had our Christmas party. Uh, last week as a, as a staff and, and everybody was there having fun. And um, look, there are problems all over college athletics and there's always another, another obstacle to overcome. But I think that the really great organizations um, kind of band together and try and get around those obstacles together. Uh, and that's, I, I just, it, it's a great source of sometimes, all right, I, I'm not crazy. Like we're seeing this too. Like, okay, we're on the same page. Um, sometimes it's legitimately going to another coach and just saying, Hey, like, how the heck are you doing what you're doing right now? Cause it's awesome. Um, and then there's some times where you just need that pick me up where somebody else comes and says to you, Hey, like you, you got it going on. You, you're doing a good job. Uh, so I think that the relationships between coaches are fantastic. I was on the phone with a buddy of mine who's a basketball coach earlier this week, and, and he's at a new program trying to start a new thing. And, uh, we're just going back and forth on the struggles we're having and it. It makes you appreciate having those people in your life where you can call and just say, hey, I'm struggling. Like, help me figure this stuff out, whether it's a pep talk or, all right, well, you really need to get back to what you were doing six months ago or two months ago or whatever it was. It's 
those those are really special relationships. You mentioned at the beginning that it's kind of winded down this fall season and we're kind of looking toward the spring. What does Ben do to kind of like get away or can Ben, can, can you turn the coach mind off? Can soccer be put on the back burner? And if so, what things do you do? Oh, there's a lot of people in my life would say that that's a, that's a, that's a weakness of mine is, is turning it all off. Um, I think it's time with family, time with friends is, is the best way to do it for me. Um, anytime I can get outside in the sunshine, which is hard this time of year, it's, it's an easy thing, but, uh, I, I'm, again, there's a lot of people that, that I can go spend time with, um, all over the map geographically, but, uh, really, really looking forward to, to being back at home with, with the family, having a couple of days to, to decompress and, and make fun of each other and, and, and laugh together and, I think that that's going to be that. That's the one thing for me that every single time is is going to take me out of coach mode and into being a person mode for sure. One of the wild things to think about is that coaching really wasn't something you were a hundred percent sure of, even as you went to Finley. And here you are as a head coach. Is now part of you? Is there a a big dream possibly of maybe? one day going bigger or are we just kind of like, let's just enjoy the moment. I'm going to see what I can do here at Transy. Uh, I think that I know I'm a big believer in just growing where you're planted. You know, uh, you, there's, there's a lot of things that I'd like to accomplish here with this program. And those, those goals have, have not been met yet. Um, if at some point I do get the opportunity to, to move on, whether it's uh, a, a more, successful historic program maybe it's a up, up a level to division two division one uh whatever that looks like I, i'll worry about that at that point uh but i think that if, if i do have aspirations of that then i gotta do my job now um i can't you can't be chasing the next thing so much that you kind of forget where you are uh, and that's that's just how i feel it's what we talk to our guys about all the time it's look i get you want to be a starter or i get that uh you want to be an all-conference guy or you want to win this championship right now but hard work isn't measured in, in, you know, hours and days and weeks. It's measured in months and years for a lot of people um, that you don't get to the, the ultimate success, which for us right now as a program, we're, we're trying to win a conference title, get the NCAA tournament again for the first time since 2018. Um, you know, if we can get that done, great, wonderful. We're going to celebrate like heck, have a great time together. Uh, but the moment that's done, we're just going to want more. So enjoying where you are and, and enjoying that process and, and really taking time to appreciate the people in the trenches working next to you is something that I'm focused on right now. You also mentioned this past year result-wise wasn't where you as a program were hoping to be. What things are you hoping to maybe improve upon so that maybe we can turn some of that around? I think for us, there was a lot of youth on the team this year that at times assumed that because they were great at club soccer or, or great last year or whatever, it was just going to happen. Uh, and that's not that they didn't work their butts off and give everything they had, but I, I just think it, it is difficult at any level to win conferences, championships uh, with a young squad. Uh, there are things that, that we need to fine tune for sure tactically um, where, you know, I think you know, this, this, the system and shape we started out with at the beginning of the year uh, was drastically different from what we ended with. And I think that was a positive change. 
uh, we'll continue to tweak that and work some more on on the new nuance of what that will look like for us moving forward. But I think you know, young coach, young team, really finding that identity with with, with what we want to do each moment we're on the field with the ball or or, or defensively, um, so that we're building that collective intelligence. And I think we learned a lot of lessons. I mean, we finished. You know, you, when you lose in penalties, it doesn't count as a loss. It's a draw. So we're eight games unbeaten in a row at this point. Uh, and, and I think the guys feel that coming. But to an extent, I do think that uh, myself included, there were a couple of games that I don't I don't think I had as prepared well enough that you just got to go out and take your lumps sometimes. Uh, and I think that that's that's what we're talking about right now is, hey, we're not pumped about it. We still lost in a semifinal on penalties. That's that's not a terrible season. But for, for our aspirations and where we know we can get to, uh, we just got to keep going. Don't don't let this slow you down and don't make it a bigger deal than what it was. We, we learned some lessons this year. And as long as we learn those lessons and move forward, future's bright. One last question I want to just throw out there is you've been at Transit for two years now. What What is it about Transy that you love and enjoy so much and you think that would be great for any student athlete, be soccer or whatever it might be? in terms of coming there? Yeah. I, what I love about it is, is the people, obviously. I think that's, that's pretty clear. And in, in, in a lot of what I've talked about here today, um, we've got some characters in the coaching staff. We got some characters on our team. Um, but look, the institution as a whole, I mean, it, it's, it's very unique scenario. Uh, it's a top 100 liberal arts school in the nation. Uh, but it's one of nine in that top 100 that's in a city of 300,000 or more with the city of Lexington. Uh, so from my perspective, I'm putting my recruiter hat on. It's a great opportunity for, for student athletes to come get a, a great individual focused education, 11 to 1 student to faculty ratio, uh, but still be in a, in a city with great resources. It's got a USL soccer team. Um, you've got UK right down the street, which, yeah, there's there's not a pro sport here, but UK basketball is as close as you're going to get to it. Rupp Arena is a five, seven minute walk away from campus. Um, so it. It's a little bit slower in Kentucky compared to some other places with the, with the way of life. You got a lot of horses, a lot of land, but uh, the music seems great. The food seems great. Um, some of my my fellow coaches put in some requests to me on different types of bourbon. They want me to bring back to them. So that's a hit with parents as well. Uh, my mom just sent me a text. She's got a request for me to bring something back for the holidays for the family. Uh, but it, it's a great community. It's, it's a great group of people. And I really do believe that uh, we've got one of the, the more difficult uh, academic standards uh, in the region for sure to, to really get kids. What we want is to get them, get them in, get them out in four years and just have them ready for whatever that next step of life is for them. And this chat has been awesome. And that is a perfect way to shut this thing down. This is Karen with Coach's Corner Chats with Ben Federici and I'm out. Peace. Hey, this is Karen, Coach's Corner Chats, and I absolutely love chatting with coaches about their coaching journey. What's even better is I love that you took the time to listen to this episode and hope you enjoyed it. What I'd like to ask is take the time to join me on social media, especially on Twitter and Instagram, at Coaches Let's Chat. That's where we can connect and continue to build this community. 
be a part of this awesome, awesome experience that I know you'll enjoy. Let's go. Peace.